Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 30th by Pastor Randy, titled, Dealing with Difficult People, Part 1. So last week we talked about how to deal with difficult people in government. Well, you submit. Submission is a spiritual strength. And... Uh, Today, we sort of err on the side of wanting to, to stand up more than submit, and we're, we're afraid we might submit too much. Uh, scripture leads us to, to do that. So that's how you deal with difficult people in government, but how do you deal with difficult people in the world? Because have you noticed there's abundance of difficult people in the world? They're just sort of everywhere. Uh, they're at work. They're at recreation, at play. They're at school. They're at church, and they're even at home sometimes too, aren't they? So difficult people are everywhere. And since difficult people aren't going to go away, what we're going to do is is look in the next several weeks as we start a new series today, and how do you deal with difficult people? Because if they're not going to go away, we need to change how we deal with difficult people. So there was this very wealthy, powerful attorney in Canada, and he went to Saskatchewan to duck hunt. And a duck flies overhead, a few of them do, and he shoots. He gets one of them, but it lands in a farmer's field that he's got fenced off. And so he just climbs over the fence, and he's going to get his duck when a farmer drives up in his tractor and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I shot a duck. I'm going to get it. He says, no, you're trespassing. You need to leave the duck alone and get off my property. Well, the attorney, he just bows up and bows up big time. He says, I'm one of the most powerful attorneys in Canada. If you don't let me go get my duck, I'll sue you and take you for every penny you're worth. Well, the, the farmer just sort of smiles. He says, well, I guess you don't know how we settle things here in Saskatchewan. We have what we call a three-kick rule. The attorney says, well, what's that? He says, that's when I kick you three times, you keep, kick me three times. We go back and forth until somebody gives up. And the attorney, he's, he's, he's strong. You know, he's fit. He's, he's in good shape. And so he looks at the old farmer and goes, yeah, I don't think this is going to be much of a contest here. So he says, okay, let's do that. Well, he kind of underestimated what good shape old farmers are in because the farmer kicks him in the groin, sends him down to his knees, gasps him for air, then he kicks him across his face, nearly knocks his nose off, then he kicks him in the kidney and he feels like his whole inside gets rearranged. And so he's groaning and takes a moment, he gathers himself and he stands up and he says, okay, yo, coot, now it's my turn. The farmer said, nah, I give up, you can keep the duck. And see, something about us, we like stories like that. We like stories of somebody getting back, of getting even. You know, movies, the top grossing movies are are about things like that, are about taking revenge or taking justice into your own hands. There's just something about when that goes on that it resonates with us. We love stories like that. And we have different sayings about that, like revenge is sweet. You know, that's one that we use, or, or don't. Uh, Don't get mad, get even, you know, or take matters into your own hands. Because there's times in our life that we all experience when we we get taken advantage of, we get hurt, we get stabbed in the back. And and what do we do? How do we handle that? For most of us, what we do next is is we want to get back at them. Because we think, if I get back, if I get my revenge, if I give to them as good as or better than what they gave to me, it's going to feel so good. But what the Bible tells us is that when we take that approach, not only does it not feel good, it harms us. And it's like injecting ourselves with bitterness. 
Here's what we read in, in Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Now notice what he's talking about here is the person who receives the hurt. You may receive something that you don't deserve and you're not responsible for. So what's your response going to be when that happens? He doesn't say, pretend it doesn't hurt. You know, he doesn't say, ignore the pain. He says, you make sure you do not get bitter. Because although you are not responsible for receiving the hurt, it may not have been your fault at all on, on how you received the hurt. You didn't deserve it. But you are responsible in how you respond to it. And so that's what we're going to be focusing in today. How do you respond to it? And our temptation is to want to get back, to get even. But let me give you now three reasons why we don't strike back. Okay? Three reasons why it's not about getting even. Number one, our problem is not with people but with evil. Now, we talked about this not too long ago, but, but, but it bears repeating. Okay? Our, our battle is not with flesh and blood, it says in Ephesians. We think our problem is with people, but really it's spiritual. Some people, it takes them a long time to get this, and some never get it. They always see people as the problem. When what the Bible tells us, no, really what's going on is that the problem is spiritual in its nature. Your problem is not or your issue is not that, that professor that belittles your faith. Your problem is not that co-worker that stabbed you in the back. The problem is not that friend that gossiped about you. The problem is not that spouse that left you or abused you. Because isn't it true that if they got things right, it would totally change your relationship. If they submitted themselves to God and they understood God's love and God's grace and God's mercy, it would totally change your relationship with them, wouldn't it? The problem is spiritual in nature. That's one reason why we shouldn't strike back. Here's a verse in 2 Corinthians 2.10. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. In other words, whenever Satan wants to come in and cause this little back and forth between you and somebody else, he says, look, there's something else going on here. There's something else happening. That There's an evil force that's behind this. And the thing that we need to understand is that when you attack your attacker, you're addressing the symptoms and not addressing the disease. So number one reason on why not to strike back is because the battle is spiritual. Number two is the example of Jesus. Let's look at this verse in 1 Peter. For you were called to this. You're going to see this phrase come up again in a minute. And I just want you to let this sink in. You were called for this. Okay. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. So you're called for this, that you should follow the example of Christ, that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, nor deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, here's the example that you have. He did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. All right, not paying back evil for evil. 
So he told us we're called for this, the father example of Christ, who didn't return insult for insult, who when he suffered, he didn't revile back. And so, so this is what we do. We do not return evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, give a blessing since you're called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. Do you get the idea you were called for something? And he's very specific on what you were called to do. So that's what we have from Peter. The example of Jesus. And two paragraphs later, Peter makes it more personal for us. This is what he says. Oop. Let me back up. Let's go through this part of it. Okay. Let's go to... All right, let's go through this part of this. This this may help clear it up a little bit. He says, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. The wonderful thing is, usually when you're singing and you mess up, everybody knows. Because they know the words, right? The words are up there. But when you're doing what I do and you mess up, most of the time, Nobody knows, because you don't know what I'm supposed to be saying next. But I messed up, so I'm going to go back and we're going to go through this a little bit clearer, okay? We'll just get that out front this time. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. Getting even. Why would you want to get even? Why would you want to do that? They're cruel and unjust, so you're cruel and unjust. They're an idiot, so now you're an idiot. You're just like them. Congratulations, you got even. And so I say, okay, okay, I won't get even. I'll just turn and walk away. They insulted me, I'll just walk away. They hurt me, I'll just turn around and walk away. Period. In the story. But there's no period after this. Which is not paying back evil for evil, insult for insult. He says, but on the contrary, give a blessing. Whoa. So you're telling me somebody hurts me. Somebody does something to me unjustly. I didn't deserve it. I didn't ask for it. But they do it for me. And, and, and I don't just walk away. I'm supposed to give them a blessing. I'm supposed to pray for them. I'm supposed to do good to them. Why would I want to do that? Why? And he tells us why. Since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. See, if all there is of this life is just this life, then fine, get even. But if there's more to this life than just this life, if we have a God that's going to come again and we're going to stand before him and we're going to give an account for things, one of the first things that gets his attention more than anything else is how we treated other people who, who treated us bad, who gave us something we didn't deserve. How do we treat people? That's the, one of the first things that's going to get God's attention. Why? Because that's what he did for us. While we were sinners, what did he do? Did he get even with us? No. Did he ignore us? No, he sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. He blessed us instead. That's what he calls us to do. So let's just get this straight. Peter is saying, when you get hurt, when, when somebody comes in and does something to you, it's either that insult or that suffering, that hurt, rather than getting even, rather than just turning around and walking away, you are to be about choosing to be a blessing instead. Choosing to, to pray for them, to do good for them instead. Why? Because you were called for this. Now that'll mess with your day, won't it? That might mess with your whole life. 
But it's the spirit of Joseph who, who kissed his brothers, the same brothers that threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave. It's the spirit of Elisha who when the Assyrian army came and they were out to kill him, what did he do? He fed them. It's the spirit of, of Stephen when he was stoned, praying that uh, for his the people who were stoning him, that the sin would be held to their account. So why shouldn't we strike back? Why shouldn't we strike back? Because our battle is spiritual. It's not really with people anyway. Because the example of Jesus. Because we were called for this. We were called to do this. And then third, not only that, but third, it reflects God like nothing else in your life. This reflects God like nothing else in your life. Matthew chapter 5. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, can I just put up with them? Do I have to pray for them? You know, a lot of you don't even pray for your friends. And Jesus commanded you to pray for your enemies. But then he says this, so that, so here's the purpose clause, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on evil and the good, and sends rain on righteous and unrighteous, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So, you've heard the phrase, like father, like son. He's just like his father. Just like his dad. Not sure I see a lot of that between y'all two, but anyway, we'll go that. But they're close. But just like that, whenever somebody hurts you, something you didn't deserve, you didn't want, you weren't looking for, and they hurt you, and instead of getting even, and instead of doing nothing, you do good to them, you bless them, you pray for them. You know what God does? He looks down from heaven and says, just like me, just like me. Listen, there's no other verse, no other verse, no other concept, if you want to call it that, a principle in Scripture that so overtly says, you want to be like God, do this, then that right there. Here's what I'm telling you. The way you respond to people who hurt you is the most significant thing you will do as a Christian. Got that? How you respond to people who hurt you will be the most significant thing you do as a Christian because it shows what God has done in your life. For one thing, it shows you understand the gospel, what God has done for you, and it reflects God like nothing else. When Peter's talking to the Corinthians, he gives them his credentials. And here's what he said. We labor working within our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we are like the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. So this is what we do. We get slandered, we, we respond graciously. That's, 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 that's his credentials. And that is what took the gospel throughout the whole world at that time. That whole Mediterranean basin was that. So, this is what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks. Dealing with difficult people in different situations. But what we're first going to do for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look through Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. And we're going to read that today, just give a short introduction, but this will be our text for the next couple of weeks. Okay? So let's go ahead and read this, and we will just go through this a few verses at a time for the next couple of weeks. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written. Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. All right, now, a few things I want you to see from this. Number one, this is personal, it's not national. What I mean, this is applies to us on an individual basis. It doesn't apply to, like, for example, our nation. Because what, what we see is, let me back up one, is in the next chapter, Paul's going to talk about our government, they have responsibility to protect us. They have responsibility to make sure nothing happens to us. And I'm so glad that we send our soldiers overseas in Afghanistan, different places to fight the terrorists rather than having them come over here and fight them. There's enough of them over here anyway, but rather than have them fight them over here to, to see what happens in Israel every six months where they have bombings and, and they, there are markets on buses and children and, and women and children are, are killed. They don't want that. So I'm so glad our government takes care of us like that way. So just understand this applies on an individual basis, not on a national basis. The second thing is this passage is doable. It's not impossible. See, we think this is a supernatural reaction, a supernatural love. Well, yeah, that's what God expects us, to display his supernatural love through us. This is not for super Christians. This is for every Christian. And you have the ability to do this. God expects you to do this. He's given you the ability to do this. So this is very doable. So, so understand that. The, the, uh, you can't dismiss this just because it's a little bit challenging or it's just not where our culture's at right now because our culture's all about getting even, aren't we? You know, it's what it's all about. Don't dismiss this just because it's, it's hard for us because we didn't grow up in a culture like this. And then third, we must live with the conviction that good can overcome evil. See, our goal is not survival, of evil. Our goal is not to tolerate evil. Our goal is to overcome evil with aggressive goodness. And evil doesn't stand a chance against goodness. The same way darkness doesn't stand a chance against light. And if you want to dismiss this concept of good overcoming evil, you're just dismissing the power of God. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Now, This is, I just wish I saw this in our country right now. But that's not what's going on in our country, in our culture right now. It's all about payback, isn't it? It's all about let's get back. Back a couple days ago, they had a, March on Washington, which was commemorative of March on Washington, happened 50 years ago or so. I wish I'd heard the other day what I heard back, well, 
I wasn't quite old enough to listen to this live, although I was around back then uh, when it happened. Well, I was, in fact, okay, I was plenty old enough to listen to it live. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, here's what was said back then by Martin Luther King. Okay, let me, let me just read you this quote. Because I wish I'd hear this today, somewhere today. This is what he said. We shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we will still love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws and abide by the unjust system because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as a cooperation with good. So throw us in jail. We will still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour. Drag us on some wayside road. Leave us half dead as you beat us, and we will still love you. Send your propaganda agents around the country and make it appear that we are not fit culturally or otherwise for integration, and we'll still love you. But be assured that we'll wear you down by our capacity to suffer, and one day we will appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. You see, he understood that you don't conquer evil with more evil. What happens when somebody does you evil and you do evil to them back? You just created more evil. The only one who wins is evil. I wish we understood that today. You know, that gives us something to point to in our culture, but that exists within us. The idea, oh, I got to get back, I got to be back, got to get even. So let me give you three things to think about, okay, as we end. Number one, if someone's lied about you or said an unkind word about you, be happy. Because if they'd known you better, they could have said something much worse, right? Okay? Number two, what would it look like in your life to return good for evil? Just think about that for a moment. You will lie in bed thinking about how you can get even with somebody else. You may never carry through with it, but you'll lie in bed thinking about that. What would it look like just to return good for evil? What would it look like for you to be a blessing to someone who's hurt you? Just think, just what would that look like? Just think about that. Third, it may not change the other person, but it will make you more like God. One day, you're going to have a story to tell. How somebody hurt you, somebody insulted you, somebody did you wrong. And when you tell that story, you're going to be able to say, and let me tell you how I got even with them. Or I just turned and walked away. Or let me tell you how I treated them the way God treated me. And I prayed for them. I was a blessing to them. We need to hear stories. We need to hear stories about how good has overcome evil. But we're not hearing a whole lot of those. Why? Because we're too busy returning evil for evil. We're too easy getting back, getting even. We need to hear stories about this. I, I'll never forget, I was doing a uh, preaching on, on this concept back 15 years ago or so, or better than that. And a guy comes to me two weeks later. He says, you know, he was in a service, said, I heard your sermon. And I had this guy that, that just uh, has been giving me grief. Gives everybody grief. You know, all the times in the organization that they're in. He says, talking about how he always gave him grief. 
And then he says, you know what? I'll talk about your sermon. And so I sent him some salmon. He's been so nice to me ever since. We don't hear stories like that. Why? Because we're too concerned about getting back. It's, it's, we, we just want to get the head. You'll never experience this in your life if, if you're just trying to get back, to get even. Booker T. Washington said this, I will not allow a man to make me lower myself by hating him. I will not allow someone to take my eyes off the gospel by me returning to him evil for evil. I'm not going to let that happen. Remember what I said. The way you respond to somebody who's hurt you is probably the most significant thing you do as a Christian. That shows you get it more than anything else. That shows the gospel has penetrated your heart. And you understand it. And you're living it out. Jesus left that example. He said, you're called for this. So that's how I want to end up this morning. You've been called to do this. Given the example of Jesus. You've been called to do this. Being shown how much God thinks about this. You've been given, you've been given that. You've been called to do this. So are you going to respond to that call? What would it look like in your life if you did? So there's calls in our life. God gives them to us all the time. This is one that's always there. A call, maybe you need to answer that call to submit to him, to surrender to him. You never have done that. You never have surrendered yourself to him, and you need to do that. I'd imagine God is calling you right now. It may be in return. It may be repentance. He's calling you. How are you going to respond? You've been called to this. How are you going to respond when this week, when somebody does something to you? Get them back. Feels good, at least in our mind, but it, it poisons your soul because it's directly against our gospel. We have a God who didn't try to get even with us and didn't just ignore us. Instead, he chose to bless us with a Savior. That one day, one day is going to be worthy to stand up and open that scroll. And everyone on earth and in heaven is going to bow down and worship him. Wow, that's what it's all about. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.